I baptize you with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. They probably didn't recognize him because he wasn't trying to be a superstar like they were. They were dressed in the finest robes, demanded their respect. Everybody looked up to them. And John is saying, there stands one among you guys you're not even aware. I mean, what if God were in the midst of us today? Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. The Pharisees wondered about John's authority if he was not actually one of the prophesied ones they had in mind. Yet John's work of baptizing perfectly suited his calling, as he explained. His baptism demonstrated the humble willingness to repent, be cleansed, and prepare for the coming Messiah. Yet his baptism gave nothing to help someone keep clean. The work of Jesus and his baptism of the Holy Spirit represents more than John's baptism. It cleanses and sanctifies when we believe in Jesus and what he accomplished by his death and resurrection. Now here's Pastor Rob. Region around the Jordan preaching the ba- a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. And then again he, he lists this. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. This is who he is. This is who John is. John was a voice where Jesus is the word. He's a forerunner for the word. He's the voice. He's the herald going before the Messiah. Getting them ready. Making their rough places smooth. And bringing the valleys low. Notice that John is pointing them to the Old Testament prophets. In fact, in Matthew chapter 11, it says this. and uh, It says, Now it came to pass... When Jesus finished commanding his twelve disciples that he departed from there to teach and preach in other cities, and when John had heard in prison, by this time John the Baptist was in prison, by the time John had heard in prison about the words of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and he said to Jesus, Are you the coming one or do we look for another? And obviously John was discouraged. He knew his time was short. And he's like, You're the one that we've been waiting for, right? i got to know this. And you can understand the humanity of John. Even though he was fiery and filled with the Spirit, he, had, he was a human being. He had moments of, of doubt and maybe a little bit of discouragement. And notice, verse 4, And Jesus answered and said to those men who John had sent, Go and tell John. And I, I wonder the tone that he said this. It was probably so gentle and caring and loving. He says, Go and tell John the things which you see and hear. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. What is he preaching from? What is Jesus quoting from? Isaiah chapter 34, verse 4 through 6. 
Now Jesus is pointing, telling John, go look at the word. These are the things that I'm doing. In other words, everything that's happening in your life, John, is by design. Don't you worry. You were, you were doing the right thing. I am who you said I was. And I am the Son of God. The Word of God become flesh. I am. And as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, that he said to them, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? Did you go out to see a reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothings are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Again, Jesus quoting from Malachi chapter 3. And he goes on, he says, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who was least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. He was the bridge of the Old Testament to the New Testament. He was the bridge in between. Not only would John point them to the word of God, but John would also point them to the word of God, Jesus Christ. And John's motto for his life was very simple. It's recorded in John 3, verse 30. He must increase. Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. And that should be true for us. It's not about us. I'm not, none of us are trying to build a kingdom on this earth. There's already a kingdom waiting for us. We want to be a part of that. We exalt the king of that kingdom. We don't build our own kingdoms. It's not about us. It's not about our ministry. And again, there's nothing wrong with a big ministry as long as the ministry is God-centered, Christ-focused, Christ-centered. And there's integrity and holiness in it. There's nothing wrong with that. But we're not to build kingdoms on this earth. We serve a king and we await a kingdom. Amen? During the time of the Roman Empire, people were often hired to go out as as the Caesar or some high-ranking magistrate would go from one town to another. They would literally, when we think about this scripture about making the hills low and, and making the smooth places or the rough places straight and, you know, the crooked places, make them straight and all that stuff, they would actually send out people to make sure that the road from this city to that city was was good enough so that... Caesar or whoever the high-ranking official is, when they rode in their chariot or in their, in their carriage, that it would be as smooth as possible. That means anything that's rough, they would skirt away. Anything that was a potholes, they would fill them in. They'd make the rough places straight. They would make it smooth. How much more so for the king of kings and the lord of lords? But it wasn't a physical road that John was concerned about. It was rocky hearts. Hearts that were just jagged with sin and bitterness and anger. He's preparing them, getting them ready, so that when Jesus arrived on the scene, and as we'll see next week, or in the next couple of weeks, John would say, Behold, the Lamb of God. He was telling his disciples, John's disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, he would say, Behold the Lamb of God, follow him. I'm done. And he just starts to little by little vanish, and he knew his role. He wasn't like, i got to hang on to this ministry, I need a job. No, he's like, no, my job's done here. See ya. And he tells his disciples, there he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. Go, go for him. But notice, 
as they come out to John in the wilderness, those who were sent who were the, of the Pharisees, this religious sect of sometimes of around 6,000 people, 6,000 men. They were part of the Sanhedrin, which was a, a group of ruling men, uh, 71 of them, made up of Pharisees and Sadducees. It was their job, they thought, to know what was going on because Jesus and John were upsetting the apple cart John was getting awfully popular. They had to find out why. And John answered them, verse 26, saying, I baptize you with water, but there stands... I baptize you with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. They probably didn't recognize him because he wasn't trying to be a superstar like they were. They were dressed in the finest robes, demanded their respect. Everybody looked up to them. And John is saying... There stands one among you guys you're not even aware. I mean, what if God were in the midst of us today? If he walked in, would we recognize him? He certainly wouldn't be one of those men who had his hair just the right way, dressed in a slick suit, looking the part, talking the part, handsome. The Bible says that he was without form, there's no, there's no beauty about him that we should desire him. Very plain. He had to be pointed out. And he says, there's one standing, you, you don't even know who he is. He's standing among you guys. Do you even know it? You who are spiritually discerning or are supposed to be, are you aware of what's happening? John was certainly aware. John was on fire. He was like, he didn't even know who, who, who the Lord was going to bring. He didn't know that it was his son, his cousin yet, until the Lord revealed it to him. But he was out there faithfully preparing the road, preparing the hearts for the Messiah. He didn't know when the Messiah would show up. Think of that. that that's kind of unnerving. You go out there and you're, you're just out there doing your thing. And you don't know when it's going to happen. You're just being faithful. The Pharisees and those who came, they were powerful and sought prestige, but Jesus was meek and gentle. They were ostentatious and and sought reputation, but Jesus, who was he? He was humble, of no reputation. In verse 27 it says, It is he who is coming after me who is preferred before me. He is preferred, he's coming after me, but he was, is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to unloose. We know that John the Baptist was born six months before Jesus was born. So it kind of is interesting here that he says, it is he Coming after me is preferred before me. John was the older. But he wasn't speaking so much of age here. After his ministry, Jesus would take over. And notice he said, he is preferred before me, giving truth a truth concerning his preexistence. That Jesus wasn't like everybody else. He preexisted before he came into the womb of the Virgin Mary. That's what John is saying. And notice, these things were done in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. Bethabara was, re, in many texts of the Bible, in the, in the um, 
Many of the manuscripts, the majority of them, Bethany was originally the word there instead of Bethabra. But Bethany, not the place where Lazarus and and Mary and Martha live, because that's on the that's on the Mount of Olives. But this Bethany, this place they substituted Bethabra, is a place out in the Jordan River, east of Jerusalem. He's out there, perhaps in the place where the Israelites crossed over centuries prior to that, where there was a enough water where he could baptize people. This is where he was. They were, these things were done in Bethabra or Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. He was the voice crying in the wilderness, testifying of Jesus. How about you? He had a voice. He was the voice in the wilderness. What about your voice? Where is your voice in these days that we live? In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him I will also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I have come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be those of his own household. Have you experienced that? It's an unfortunate part of our walk. Your enemies aren't necessarily the ones who are saying bad things about you. Often it's the people in your own house who have had enough of this Jesus stuff. Their hearts have become hardened. And Jesus said, don't worry. This is just part and parcel of being one of my kids. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that takes not his cross and follows after me is not worthy of me. He that finds his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Those are really difficult words. That's probably one of the most difficult passages in all the Bible for us. It just means in comparison. It doesn't mean that you can't love your family. Of course you love your family. Of course you love your daughter. Of course you love those things. But when God has a call on your life, you still take care of them. You don't abandon them. You still love them. But your love for Christ and what he's called you to do is the main thing. It's important that we do that. Young people, have you considered serving the Lord? Where's your voice? You got a lot of things to say. Your parents might want you to keep your mouth quiet, but you got a voice. What are you using your voice for? And that goes for us adults too, but young people, teenagers, what are you doing with your voice? Where is your voice? Have you considered serving the Lord? Have you considered being a Bible teacher, a pastor, excuse me, a worship leader, a missionary, Christian worker? Or are your only options college, marriage, a career? Is that all you've got? In our culture, that's all you've got. You've got to go to college. Why? Our culture has bred this idea that as soon as you're out of high school, 
got to go to college. Why? Why? You know how many kids are going to college that shouldn't be there? I went to college when, when I was in college, and I went too. But, you know, I did, I, did the, I did the thing that I thought everybody, you know, that I, I caved into the pressure, and I did it. I remember being in college at Stetson University, and there was this young man who, was, who lived next door to me in the dorm that I was in, and his father was loaded. I mean, this kid, no kidding. He had a, this is back in 1992, 93. His father bought him a Mitsubishi G2000, a red one. This thing looks like a Lamborghini. The kid shouldn't have been in college. All he did is drink and have girls in and out. In fact, one night, <laughs> he opened up the, we had big windows in the, in the dorms, and he got mad, he came home drunk, and then he went to go turn on his TV, and it wouldn't work. So what does he do? He throws it out the window and smashes on the floor, on the, from the second floor, you know, story. And then his, his roommate told me later that he had unplugged it that night. Of course it's not going to work, because guess what? There's no power going into it. My point is, all he did was drink, and he dropped out because he was not ready for college. He wasn't there for the right thing, but he was supposed to go because his family said, you got to go. This is what we do in America. We, we graduate from high school, and, a, and before you're even graduated, you've got to get all your ducks in order, and you've got to get your student loans together, and you're just in stress, and i got to get this you know, application in. i got to find out about all these student loans, and... <sighs> And the pressure's intense. Why is that? I went through that. I would encourage you parents not to stress your kids out. Maybe they shouldn't be in college. And I know what you're saying. Well, if they don't, they're not going to get a good job. Well, that's the way the world is, isn't it? It's really unfortunate. Maybe let them have a little bit of say. Maybe they do need the direction. Maybe they do need to go. But what about getting involved? If they're a, a Christian... What about going to Bible college for two years? They're young enough. They can do it. they got time. What about getting involved in a mission? What about getting involved in the local church? What about doing something? What about just waiting and making sure that you're supposed to go? Instead of just sending, spending thousands of dollars, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go. And they're like, I don't want to go. But you got to go because I want to be able to tell all my friends that you're in college. Oh, did I say that out loud? It's true. We don't want our kids, we don't want the perception that they're sitting home playing video games. Maybe they need to learn a little responsibility before they go to college. Maybe they need to get a job for a year or two. But not in America. America, where have you gone? Why do we have to fit the pattern of the great American dream? The great American dream is not only unattainable, but it's not reality. And the pressure of it just makes people go psychotic. Got to have this. Got to do that. Why? Who said? Well, the pressure. Peer pressure. My parents. Examine that. Examine that. So where is your voice, young people? God has given you a wonderful voice. Where is it? What are you doing with it? Stand up. Do the right thing. Do good things. Don't be ashamed What are the things that you talk about? What is your passion? What is your passion? Find out what it is. And make sure that it's directed by the Lord. Because let me tell you, and we'll end here. The greatest life is a life 
that has not been designed by the person themselves. It is a life that's been designed by their creator. And I can tell you that I had a plan for my life. God changed my life. I'm in a completely different place than where I started. And you know what? I'm the most blessed man on the planet. I really am. Because when we're in the center of God's will, whatever he has for you, you are going to be blessed. You're going to be happy. And isn't that what it's really all about? Wouldn't the world, doesn't the world need to see happy Christians? I mean, Christians who are like, I really love what I get to do. Rather than being the missionary, and you weren't called to the mission field, but you're over there, and you're like, you know, looking at your fingers going, man, I hate this. And the natives that you're supposed to be ministering to are like, I wish you'd go home. We were doing really well until you showed up with all of your books. No, find out what it is. Pray and seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. What have you got for me, Lord? What have you got? You've, got, you've given me a voice. What am I using the voice for? I'll end there. Let's stand. What are you, what's your passion? Is your passion to be a, the very best for Jesus in whatever you do? Now, if you work at Xerox, do it the very best for him. If you work, if you own a business, do it the very best for him. Do everything above board. Do everything by the book. Do things well. Treat your employees good. Treat those, you know, do it well. Do everything that you do well. Do it the very best because you represent a great king. And your voice, believe it or not, even though you may not say a word, your voice will be known by your, your actions. But by all means, speak as well. People will see you. They'll see your actions. They'll be like, that man's got a voice. That woman has got a voice. I love that voice. It's so unique. It's not unlike any other voice in the world. All the other voices are telling me that I should do this. If it feels good, do it. All the other voices are telling me that i got to do this and do that. God's got a voice, and he's placed that voice in you. What is your voice, young people? Ask the Lord. And don't stop. You keep seeking. You keep knocking, and you wait upon him. And don't let anybody pressure you. And parents, don't pressure them while they're seeking. It may take time. God prepared Moses, and how long was he in the desert being prepared? Forty years. How many years was John in the desert being prepared of the Lord? We don't know for sure, but a number of them. So why should we rush to some American checklist? Be careful. Let's be prayerful. And set your young people free from the distraction Amen. Amen. Father, we just come before you. We thank you for this time. Pray that, Lord, you'd encourage us, Lord. And, Father, may we be like John the Baptist, who was always going before, preparing. And, Lord, you're doing that in our lives. Would you continue to do that, Lord? Help us to know what you've prepared us for. And help us to be patient, Lord, and not fall into the the cookie-cutter American dream uh, schedule that we have all succumbed to. Lord, help us to wait upon you, to be patient. And it may be different than the family next door, and that's okay, because we serve Christ. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I pray that, Father, my brothers and sisters would do the same. We love you, Father, and we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John.
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.